Welcome everyone to our Late to the Party rewatch of Neon Genesis Evangelion, the seminal Teenagers vs. Giant Monsters anime of the late 20th century. I'm Frank, and together with Russell, James, and two new people, Michelle and Al. Hey! Oh, hi. I didn't realize we were going to say hi, but great energy. We're talking you through the show as it finally receives wide distribution on Netflix. I'm super excited to do this. This is our second episode. If you haven't caught our first one, uh, go back in time or look at the associated posts on the thing you're listening to right now. It's... It's pretty much uh, rocket science. Sounds good. Yeah. So, all right, we're now right into the swing of the series. I want to get people's, first of all, your blanket thoughts, because we never really spoken to Michelle or Al yet. What do you think so far of Evangelion? And have you ever seen it before? I have not. This is my first watch through. Really? Uh, even though I've had numerous people harass me endlessly throughout college, you need to watch this show. Watch this show. Watch this show. And I'm like, why? Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, I get it. You get it. So, but I can agree with the whole pacing thing that it seems we talked a lot about on the first episode. Are we are we going in any sort of order here or just talking? I think we're just talking. As long as we don't okay. spoil, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking for the first 11 episodes mm-hmm. in this episode of okay. our show. It really has bothered me throughout the first 10 episodes that you don't even have anyone questioning, what are these angel things until episode 11? Where exactly, it's like, right? Oh my God. Oh, let's just dive into molten lava to get it that oh. hasn't hatched. But like, oh, like, why are we doing this? And it's like, well, they attacked us first. And it's like, but, but why? Oh, 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 James Russell, we have opposing viewpoints. What do you two think? <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like, Russell, we discussed how much we love that it just kind of throws us in. Yeah, Yeah, the the way that it suggests so much uh, was one of the things that I think both both of us enjoy. That, you know, rather than that so much of these early episodes is um, a suggestion rather than explanation. But it always comes with this this sort of impression that an explanation is coming, you know, uh, uh, because somebody will say just enough. To let you know, like, oh, there was this thing called Second Impact. Like, oh, what's that? I guess we'll hear another sentence about it in the next episode. You know, also, so that slowly unwinds. Also, there's like, I feel like the assumption that most of our characters kind of already know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're living in this world. We're not. You know? So we might be learning it at a slow pace, but most of the people, assumably, definitely in Nerve have, you know, this extensive knowledge uh, to some degree about what they're doing. Obviously, you know, as we get farther in, that's not entirely true. But, uh, you know, at least I think from the get-go, we, you know, that's what I assume. Yeah, it's definitely a a storytelling, intentional storytelling. There's even nods, which maybe I didn't like too much. I never actually admitted this until I got Al and Michelle in the room with me. But the nods that there is a a cover-up. Someone's trying to conceal what originally happened with these angels and conceal it from the general population, which I think is kind of ridiculous. How do you how do you conceal these giant aliens? You have a big basement, I guess. I, I don't guess know. that's what it is. Well, but, they are know. in a big basement, basically. Yeah, really. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, um, so I guess my history with the show is that I was really, really, really a big fan back in college. It was my favorite anime for a very, very long time. Um, then I fell off with anime in general. Like I haven't really watched and sat back, and I haven't sat back and watched this in particular in about ten years, probably. Um, and it's it's weird. It I was expecting it not to hold up, and it does in some ways and does in others. I, I did expect that because I had heard it so many so many times. Shinji isn't as bad as you remember, and to a certain extent, that's correct. But especially in these few episodes that we're talking about, he's not as bad as getting the robot Shinji. 
Like, it's not as bad as I remember. <laughs> get in the robot Shinji. Like, that's, is, that's, that's kind of the, the, the catchphrase of, of a lot of people is like, get in the robot Shinji. All like, right. and it's like, fair, but... Like, that's was... so mean. <laughs> Considering the emotional, the, the, the pathos this kid has to go through. Yeah. His father experimenting at him, shoving him in a giant thingamajig. I mean, it's mm. really, really crazy in a weird way. But in context, it makes a little bit more sense. I, I I think maybe as the show goes on, it might get grading. It hasn't gotten there yet. I, although I will say, right now, Shinji's very much in the typical, I guess, shonen, or shonen hero kind of mode right now. He's definitely fallen into his role. He's kind of okay saving the world at this point. Um, he still kind of has some self-doubt and kind of has some, like, you know, issues, especially when Asuka shows up. Um, mm. But overall, it's like, oh, God. Really? Uh, all right. <laughs> Everyone's uh, like hating on Asuka. And now Russell's <laughs> so irritating. I, yeah. I will go to bat for Asuka. I will go to bat for Asuka. Please, we'll please both of you, please do, because I'm just gonna I'm gonna wrap up this side of the the table. When Asuka <laughs> shows up, I'm like, what anime am I watching now? The first six episodes, or all right. So the benefit for Asuka is she brings some much needed levity oh, to the yeah. show. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Early on, it's just like, wow, morose, sad. I don't know if I could put up with twenty plus episodes of this. But then when she shows up, it becomes like a wacky kind of sexually charged high school romp that I did not We're, expect. But becomes is, a roommate comedy. Absolutely. Know? So we go walk us through it. I. I feel like I just want to say that when Asuka shows up, we are now full anime, right? Like beginning of Evangelion, like weird thought piece, well, full out, blah, 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 Asuka anime, and then devolves into whatever it is later. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, what, my favorite episode in this whole bit is the the episode where they have to learn how to synchronize dance together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so <laughs> anime. It mm-hmm. is, it is oh, literally yeah. the most oh, yeah. anime. It is like, if someone was like, Give me a give me a thing that you think describes anime. I'd be like, here, watch this. Oh my god, <laughs> this is so many shows mixed together because it's anime even in the first six episodes. But it's just it's uh, I don't know, Grave of Fireflies anime. It's a different you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a little mm-hmm. different, and then it becomes like competitive sport anime with competitive mm-hmm. dance. Uh, Russell. Well, this, um, I mean, this arc that we sort of broke it into. We actually start with episode seven, a human work, which is interesting because that's actually sort of a. Uh, a, uh, a Misato and Ritsko uh, feature episode for most of it. Yeah. Which is, that's it's one of those world building ones. And it's also one where we get like, here's the political intrigue. You know, here's the world. Here's how people feel about giant robots. And the whole thing is that, hey, other other countries are like, hey, we'd like some giant robot action too. Thank you very much. And how Nerve uh, has to sort of try and uh, manipulate that because they are the ones who've got the secrets you know, so Masato is then goes out there to, to show off her stuff and uh, and preserve the superiority of nerve. And I just want to, if I can jump in here, Russell, real fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode seven was definitely something I I you know wanted to reference last time, but I, I couldn't exactly because um, you know. But when I talk about it's weird, it's weird because obviously Masato and and uh, some of the other female characters are you know very subject to fan service, but at the same time, like this episode does a really good job of showing that, you know, you know, late, uh, early nineties has, you know, Masato and these other women are, they're high up in this organization and they are sent out there to represent it, you know, in a way that is powerful and important, you know, and it's, it's something that is like way better than a lot of other stuff at the time. 
you know, that, that comes out and, you know, these roles are typically played by, you know, like the male hero mm-hmm. of the, you know, the I'm, government official and stuff like that, which, you know, and I thought this episode was a really good job of kind of giving Masato that agency. You know, we always know she's worked for Nerve, but, you know, she's really kind of relegated in the first six episodes to Shinji Baby. All right. Hold on, James. I, I agree with part of this, but uh, yeah, hold look on. at Masato. <laughs> And you're going to say, that, especially uh, with these introductions of these characters, are they really like, is this a girl power moment where like, Masada has like complete emotional breakdown because an ex-lover shows up? I don't know, but does anybody have well, an that, opinion? Well, that's yeah. later. Yeah, right? that is later. That's that's in episode eight where that's the interesting thing is that when we bring in Asuka, when she comes in to complicate Shinji's life at the same time, Kaji... You know, Masato's ex-boyfriend also comes in to complicate her life. So now these two people who have sort of formed a kind of a unit and are, are and know what they're doing, they're both suddenly just dumped into these these weird situations where they have to deal with all these uh, unbidden emotions. I don't like... Just oh, Kaji. Yeah. Kaji. He's oh, a I hate him. I hate him. Yeah. Oh. Kaji is not helpful. And I mean, obviously, for story plot reasons later, but uh, yeah, I just, I don't like the way it complicates Masato. I don't like the way Asuka and his relationship work. It It's way cringier than anything that cringes me out in the first six episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is so weird. I Al actually first. like Kaji, like, a lot. He's one of my favorite characters <laughs> in the Al, show. You're, just, you're off the show. <laughs> okay. okay. Give, Let's hear this. Yeah, What? why? I don't know. He seems like the only character that actually will, like, doesn't have any BS behind anything they're saying, even though he, he literally only has BS, which what? is weird because he kind of does, right? That's all he ever has. And like, but at the same point in time, like, I don't know, like, again, I, knowing what I know about the character as it goes on and know, and having a little bit more experience with him, I, I just feel like, all right. So you're saying that eventually something, there's a, there is a turn that, that no, it's not even a turn. I think it's that's just who the character always was. And I don't know for me personally, he kind of always seems to have everyone's best interests in mind even if he's very secretive and kind of full of it. Who is that guy from uh, uh, Battleship? Everyone help me. Bol- Boltar, was it? Was it the son? Gaius this, uh, Boltar? Gaius Boltar. You're a Boltar fan. No, I'm, I'm not a Boltar <laughs> fan because Boltar was only ever thinking of himself. Out of here. Out of here. <laughs> I'm the Gaius Boltar Mich- fan, guys. Michelle. Michelle. But he just bounces in episode eight when everything's going bad. He's like, oh, I got a boat or no plane. He's like, bye. Yeah. Uh, you have like, you, I'm out. You're going to handle this, right? Got this. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm oh, just going to go God, now. He seems like he, he's only there when it's convenient for him to be there. And like the whole Oscar relationship between him is kind of cringy, but I will give him the benefit of the doubt that she's the one that's being more cringy than him. Oh, 100%. Because they're out buying bathing suits, and she's like, oh, look, I'm going to wear this. And he's like, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> he doesn't seem, he show he doesn't show any interest. But that in itself is a, like, so we're, we're talking about in fiction and out of fiction. At this point, more of the, um, like, telegraphed, cornball, uh, perverted anime tropes come out in this section yeah. of the series, and that's when I'm yeah. like, all right, I get it. That um, Oscar yeah. is just like she is a she's a trope at this point for the most part. She develops a little bit more in this arc, but in the beginning, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I'm 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 de- I've developed early, and I'm gonna shove it into everyone's face all the time. Even the fact that she is being uh, more like forward 
then he is even that is part of the trope that even that made me squiggy. It was like, oh, come on. I don't need this right now. I'm just trying <laughs> to remember what I was like when I was, a, I guess, a older teenager or possibly in college. Yeah, I was probably like, I, pro- I think as a teenager watching this, you're much more like, oh, this is this is the fan service I wanted. So I don't I don't know. I don't know what the correct answer is. I think that it's, a lot of this is actually intentional as far as what's going on with like these tropes coming to the forefront because they were a thing before Evangelion. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I think if, correct me if I'm wrong, this was kind of Anno's, uh, Hideki Anno, I don't know if we mentioned him yet or not. Um, Anno's yeah. intention was kind of to bring these like characters to the forefront and be like, listen, here's these things that you guys have gotten used to, these kuderes, these tsunderes, uh, from these other uh, big anime shows and giant robot stuff. Do you know what it would be like if these people actually existed and what personality, what would get and them? And why to, they would be this yeah. way? Well, yeah, it would yeah. be terrible. And it was a lot of like, in, to a certain extent, I guess Evangelion was kind of the watchman of uh, oh, anime. Wow. Wow. Um, yes, yes. And yeah. it was meant to sort of destroy a lot of the tropes that it unfortunately wound up reinforcing. Oh, um, wow. It, it, like, imagine if Blazing Saddles had come oh, out wow. and Westerns that's, only became that much more popular. My finger on the nose, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, I think that was it. Uh, Russell? Well, you know, the um, <laughs> one of the unfortunate things is if you flash forward to the most recent films, the new film series, they go even further in the direction of just kind of pandering because they introduce a character whose entire you know job is to be sexier than Asuka. Like, I'm also a... I, they introduced Mari, who I, I hate, because she turns turns it all back into that very easy, you know, uh, uh, etchy anime stuff. Because, like, oh, I'm just like Asuka. I'm super pilot, but I'm sexier than she is. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe in contrast to that. I mean, Asuka, I, I love her, but I think I love her because, because I know her arc. I think when I first experienced her, I was like, whoa, what the heck's going on here? I just finally got used to liking Shinji, you know, and and now suddenly everything's get you know, gets turned upside down and he's all confused and he's confronting his, um, his entirely uninformed uh, sexual identity and all of this, you know, this other stuff. But knowing the growth of the character, I think a lot of that, I kind of already see where the seeds of that are planted, you know, that, that, that her development and growth and so on doesn't just come out of nowhere. You can see the roots here. You can see like where, where this begins. That's very encouraging. Cause like for someone like, like I'm, I'm guessing Michelle and I, I, so my thing is that I don't, I, if I saw it, I don't remember half of it. I probably saw it out of order and only like half the episodes. Right. <laughs> and I think it was probably showed to be like, look at how the monster design. Cause I remember like, I remember the smokestacks coming out of that uh, failed, uh, that failed bot that they had in, I think, in episode Jet seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that and I, uh, distinctly. So I think that's why, like, I'm I'm not as invested in any of these characters and where they're going. So right now, there's a lot of ugh in this part of the mm-hmm. show. I mean, I mm-hmm. liked Asuka as a teenager and uh, as I was in college, mainly because she just kicked ass. Like that was kind yeah. of a, there was because we were a lot of people were talking about feelings and feelings are important. But you know what I would like? I would like to just kick the monster's ass a little bit. Let's just. Do well, that. that's true. That's true. Yeah, because the introducer is like, oh, this obnoxious girl and she's shouting at everybody. And oh, immediately Shinji's friends think that she's, uh, you know. Uh, but then the next thing that happens is she jumps in a robot of her own accord, drags Shinji along, says, let's just go attack this giant monster head on. Ooh, we're hopping across the ocean. We're, you know, we're blasting away at it with guns. We dive underwater into the thing's mouth to kill it. Like, she, yeah, as, she just goes for it. As Al said it, as Al said before, get in the robot, Shinji. <laughs> Everybody wants Shinji to be more like Asuka. 
Everybody wants somebody to come in and have some agency. Everybody forgets Evan- Evangelion's all about the feelings in between. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna, can, can I try to focus up this conversation? I'd like to talk about, I think, particularly the last two episodes in this arc, mostly mm-hmm. because that's where we get a lot of our plot and we see these characters kind of start to rein back in and kind of sets us up for what we're going to see in the next six. Mm-hmm. So we have... Yeah. Magma Diver, which Michelle, I believe you mentioned, is the one with the 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 angel baby thing. Yes, that's, it's that's an, an I'm going to start that dinosaur egg. Yeah, yeah, and when we finally get a little bit of a conversation about so these angel things, what's the deal? Why is it under the earth? Yeah, like oh, so at this point, yeah, why do you, what do you think's going on? Because this is great for us. Uh, uh, we, I'm not sure about myself, but I know the rest of you three have seen the show. But anything Michelle says right now is pure conjecture. So I what do you think's think going on? They were here first, Ooh, and the yeah. impact isn't really like you, you hear impact. You think something hit the Earth? I think they came out of the Earth and said, "Yo, what are you doing here? This is my home." That's and interesting. I've not read anything online. I'm probably completely wrong. Let's also be be aware of the fact that they say second impact happened. That's also have true. Have we referenced first impact yet? It's true. I mean, no. I mean, we no. do get an explanation for what first impact is later on in the series, so we do get an explanation for it, but we haven't actually... That hasn't happened yet. And second nope. impact was 15 years ago, right? Yep. <laughs> One of the interesting things that has always stood out to me about that being 15 years ago is, first of all, all of our characters, all of our teenagers are 15. Yeah. So they've all grown up in, I'm going <laughs> to see, okay, so there are a lot of parallels you can draw, you know, between Anno's writing and the idea that, as always surfaces in sort of militaristic uh, anime, there's always that question of, like, did you grow up in the post-World War II generation, and what was that like, you know, and, and so on, and that's in a lot of these, but when you think about it, we have these these kids who grew up just right out of the ashes of this apocalyptic event, you know, they've been I mean, it's like we talk about now with those millennials, you know, who who have been born into the post 9-11 world and, you know, have grown up their entire lives just surrounded by this. This thing happened and it affected everybody. And to them, it's just the backdrop of life. But to a lot of these other characters, it's this memory of a of a of a disaster that they experience firsthand. And for the people who are even just slightly older um, but maybe we're of age of teen- teenagers at the time. They've got scars on their bodies that they just don't like talking about. So, like, it's a very generational show, even though at the time this was made, 90s, late 90s, yeah. that we're talking about a totally different generation than the generation who would expo- or be exposed to it now watching it on Netflix. And I think that's mm-hmm. fascinating. I think that's, we talked about it a little bit in the first episode of this show that, uh, you know, now watching this in a world where climate change seems much more like a reality and less than a, you know, a spooky thing that could happen. This show reads differently and more interestingly, Michelle, you mentioned the whole scar thing and there's kind of a bit of an intergenerational connection between Asuka and Mizoda because there's that moment where she sees the scar on her chest and they say something back and forth to each other along the lines of like, Oh, well I know your past and you know what happened everything where it's like, why do they know and no one else? And it's getting on my nerves. <laughs> well, J.J. So. Abrams wrote a, wrote a treatment for this, and there's a lot of mystery boxes. <laughs> Episode 12 is coming. Don't worry. Episode 12. <laughs> James, um, are you about to say something? 
I was going to say, I um, I think my favorite episode in this whole section, um, you know, for the seriousness, uh, not the dancing, um, is got to be the day Tokyo Three stood still. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first. It, it, honestly, I think it's the first time our um, this arc slows back down again, and it does it literally right by giving it uh, the entire episode a slow time frame. Right, yeah. we've got the the angel boring in. We took away all the power, any fast way to get there. And we kind of let our characters, you know, get to be with each other for a while. And we get to see some really great moments, um, whether that's Ray and Shinji and Asuka really working together for the first time. Cause up until this point, they've kind of, you know, Asuka's either done something or Shinji and Asuka or something like that. But seeing the three of them, we kind of get a, a, another bit of a human insight into Shinji's father. The fact mm-hmm. that he goes down there or ev- even the whole nerve staff who, you know, they go down there and they prep these angels all by hand manually. They don't know where these kids are, you know, and when they show up, they're like, we need to make it in time, you know, and it just kind of, again, it's that generational thing. It, it shows just how much weight is on their shoulders, you know, I mean, and it, it's just such a, a stark contrast to maybe, you know, it, episodes is, earlier where literally they were dancing and had to defeat something in, in one minute. And the, the episode was literally again, like the exact opposite sort of time frame. It's something that's framed very quickly. That's when Evangelion to me is at its best when it slows down. It's weird. This is probably the most heroic we're ever going to see Shinji's dad. <laughs> no, don't that reveal that. You're, that's a spoiler. You bastard. I mean, like, I, like, I was hoping he would here. completely become a hero after this. <laughs> but he's like, it's it's very a different form of how we how we see him up until up until this point is that he's just kind of you see him get his hands dirty. I uh, don't see this as heroism. Like I, it's this is pragmatism. He just needed to do yeah. it this way. I mean, it's fair. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, but Shinji sees it as heroism, though. I think. Yeah, I, think I think this we... is as most as he's ever mm-hmm. like. This is the most positivity he's ever felt about his father up to this point. I All think, right. anyway, as yeah. far as this goes, like seeing him like just pull the chains and and move forward and like oh that one touching moment where he calls his dad and asks if he wants to approve of his like field trip and his father never is like call never call me. I I hired someone for this. Mm-hmm. Don't call me again. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I mean, yeah. interesting. It's interesting to see what what the adults are driven by, honestly, and I think that also goes into the generational thing here where. A lot of the time, like also in like Magma Diver, where, you know, uh, people are constantly warning Masato, uh, hey, this might kill Asuka if she keeps going. She's like, nope, she keeps going. Like they are very much driven by a sense of, uh, well, I think you're going to, I think eventually you have to consider it sort of vengeance against the angels, like to the degree that they are going to, you know, put the, they are going to put themselves in dangerous positions, but they're also going to continue to push children into dangerous positions in order to kind of fulfill that, uh, you know, that, that revenge desire. Well, in the, the whole sense of that sort of generational gap thing and that teenage angst, they put the children in way more dangerous situations than they're in. Of course. Yeah, know? but it's a, it's a requirement, I, we assume. We don't know yet because, as Michelle has said, we're still in this kind of mystery fog. We're mm-hmm. told that it's just the teenager. They have no choice. It's got to be these kids. Um, yep. But um, we don't know why yet. Michelle? I'm assuming it has to do because they were born after yeah. the impact. There's something special about My that. My brain's yeah. doing math. I'm so yeah. smart. 
I like it. I like it. I like the, <laughs> I like the brain math. Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot to love about these episodes. I actually really enjoy that we're doing this conversation because I don't think I would have loved it nearly as much had we not talked about it. Because at this point, if I had just watched this on my own, I'd be like, what happened to my show? Did it suddenly become, you know, ridiculous? There were there were breakout moments, of course, but they're the, for every, like, wow, this is amazing. There's a, there's a moment where the two of them are in bed and inches away from committing a sexual assault. That and I'm like, scene no, is good. so awkward. It's really awkward when you're sitting at, uh, a desk at work and everyone else around you is talking about someone's divorce. Oh. And I'm like yeah. trying to tilt my phone screen away from the, like pause. Can I, like, can I just say how brilliant that scene is? Because it, like, it does get so much teenage awkwardness in all like and it, it's framed really perfectly and then the, the tape, the cassette tape player is great in that scene. Because oh, like, beating up like and then like as soon as she's like says like mom and like like it's done <laughs> like it's like the tape stops and it's just like <laughs> I, yeah and we related this last uh last episode too it's the same thing with the the scene with ray scenes that i feel like would normally be like put in as just anime fan service they they've you know, and I don't know if I felt this then, but I certainly do now. They feel tense and wrong and not quite right. They, they do. Linger, compared they linger to, on what's unpleasant about those scenes, which is, you know, which is, yeah, they, they, these would be played for laughs. This would be an embarrassing moment. Oops, sleepwalking. Asuka falls into Shinji's bed. You know, that this, you know, again, Tenshi Muyo or whatever, this, this, would yeah, be exactly. like, this would be a huge joke. But in this, it is really played for the, the awkwardness and the tension of... Again, Shinji just not understanding his own sexual identity and kind of just like feeling like, uh, what do I do with this? You know, like, what am I supposed to do with this? And his uncertainty really washes out into the whole scene and, and really puts attention on everything. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, uh, we, we've been talking for a little bit. So let's quickly go through some of the things we loved or hated that we didn't actually focus in on. I will say <laughs> that even though this was made in 1995, watching it now, I don't feel like it. If someone told me it was made maybe like five or six years ago, I'd believe them. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Think I, I would so agree with that. So there's something about the, you know, the art and the, the story. The animation's actually that it, really good. Yeah, yeah. it just it fits I, I almost think the animation is um, is slightly different than modern animation and more mm-hmm. to my liking. Yeah, same. And I also you think the, uh, the, the character design is a lot more forgiving than it would be, uh, Asuka aside, uh, the, in a modern anime where... Obviously, it, yeah, that's a whole other thing we could probably go into details with, but I would agree with that. There'd be a lot more wobble. Yes, there you go. I love the whole Japan versus Germany and <laughs> how we do things in Japan, how, how we do things at Germany. Why don't we have beds? Oh, and the, it culminates for me. The highlight of this arc is Asuka slamming the door. And it opening up a little bit. I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> that was wonderful. Uh, something that kind of stuck with me. I, I, the 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 guy is giving his speech about uh, it. It would be like a woman uh, out of control. That kind of aged badly. Yeah. Even though that guy was clearly a villain, it was like, you know, I, it's it's one of those things. Just like the climate change fears, it's more realistic now. Now I could picture someone in the middle of the U.S. saying, <laughs> "We can't have a woman robot. They have their <laughs> issues. We can't." <laughs> now I could picture it, and it was a little too real for me. Uh, anybody yeah. else have something? I actually really like that episode with Jet Alone, the uh, the nuclear robot. I like that we finally addressed the concept and the idea of, hey, we, we could could do a giant robot. We could. 
that doesn't need to have a an umbilical plugged into it so it's going yeah. to be powered. Um, like, and then it, it kind of goes uh, awry, and I'm curious about why it does. Oh, but. watch that episode again. It's great because right as um, the ominous music cues up, uh, the, the villainous guy is saying, there is no risk at all. And the music just swells. And I'm like, I think there's a risk. I think there's going to be a risk. There's going to be a risk. Uh, Michelle, do you have anything that uh, you want to pull out? I kind of enjoy how much uh, Asuka gets jealous of Ray for no reason. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Ray is so... Her name is First Child, so yeah. that's enough, right? Uh, okay. I guess so. That sets her off, and that's it. It totally is. <laughs> but she's just so unanimated, for the most part, I guess. Right, yeah. She's just, okay, I'm going to do the thing. I'll, she... I'll do it. And I guess I just, I don't know enough about her yet, and I want to know more about her, and because of that, it makes me really interested in her. But the scene in the with the dancing episode, and I really wish they had been like at an arcade doing DDR, because that would have oh, been great. Oh, that would have been so great. Um, that's how they were practicing? But it's like... Oh. All right, you know, Shinji, Asuka do the thing, and it's a hot mess. And it's like, fine, Asuka, you sit down. Let um, Ray do it. Perfect. Perfect. Fine. No yeah. problems. Because she just is, like, so adaptable as a character. Yeah, That yeah. she's like, I'm going to do it better now. Anger German. <laughs> Anger German. <laughs> and, and Ray, with her, uh, like, near affect disorder, still manages to sting Asuka many times. Yeah. And I'm like, good. Good, because I want to see this happen. Uh, how about you, James? Do you have anything? It's a concept I liked, actually. So, you know, when you guys kind of touched on it here, I like that Ray can go into per- into relative sync with Shinji, but because both Asuka and Shinji have, like, passionate emotions and feelings, they note that their compatibility that they noticed when they were fighting in the previous episode you know, when they hit it, when they hit that moment was way higher, you know, and that, that the minute I heard that it reminded me of probably where this came from, but it reminded me of all the Pacific Rim stuff. Yeah. Which of course is people fighting in giant robots and is obviously highly inspired by this. I'm I'm vaguely embarrassed to admit that like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh yeah, Pacific Rim. That's why I liked it so much. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro will swear that it's not Evangelion that it's inspired by Transdor Z, but I I assume that if if he if the entire staff around him were not just you know binge rewatching Evangelion, then and I will be astounded. <laughs> yes. All right, Russell. How about some of your moments that you'd like to to wrap up with? Uh, I love that uh, when. Ray, uh, when Asuka drags Shinji along to go fight the uh, the whale, uh, she puts him in one of uh, one of her plug suits. I just think that's just really funny. It's just a really I don't know, not not so much like oh man, he's cross dressing, but just the look of Shinji in that outfit is just so. Maybe it's because I know like the iconic look of the characters to see it mixed like that just always makes me chuckle. You know, it's like if nice. if Superman was wearing Batman's costume or something like that. <laughs> Which happened rather recently. Uh, wait, Batman's like, spare cowl. Yes. Yeah, he's like, wait, what? What is he doing wearing that? Which, so it's, I don't know, that always makes me chuckle to see it. Um, I think one of the other things that we haven't really called out yet that I do enjoy is the variety in design of the angels. I mean, we've seen a lot of, uh, of varied shapes and sizes to them already. 
you know, I mean, we have, you know, the 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 uh, the, the typically known one, uh, Sakiel, which is that thing with like the, the beak nose, you know, and the, and the big uh, uh, shoulders. And then we get into like the flying one with whips for arms and, and then, a, you know, a giant uh, acid dripping spider and even one that's just, you know, a diamond that just has a drill in, in the bottom of it. You know, <laughs> I, I really am uh, impressed by, by that sort of the, the, the strangeness that they were willing to bring into these, these creatures and the variety that they have to them. So yeah, I, I like how that also continues. Absolutely. I mean, it's not as if it's, uh, you know, uh, guys in rubber suits, they could do whatever they want because it's animated. So they did it. And that's really mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. It's some of the, at some point or other, we should probably look up what these angels names are and what they're, what they're about because I feel like there's got to be some semblance of uh, interest to that. But I just curiosity questions. Like you have to ask why, how do they know their names? Like that's, <laughs> that's another big weird thing about it. Like how exactly have they ever figured out what their, uh, what the angels names that turn out to be? I think if you just, I'll, I'll let you in on a little bit of knowledge from ahead. I believe it has something to do with the dead sea scrolls. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Michelle's like the what? You know, the complete Dead Sea Scrolls, not that like partial translation that the rest of the world got. They got the real I think, one. I think Michelle and I just got a little bit of teaser. What's coming up? Oh boy! I yeah. think so. So uh, yeah, I forgot about that. All right. So uh, yes, I'm excited to keep watching. I hope you are all at home are excited to keep watching along with us. Uh, of course, subscribe, like, and follow for more information and for the latest episodes so you don't miss a single one. Because if it's not for us, if you can't watch it along with your friends, your best friends at the Nonproductive Network, who will you watch it along with? <laughs> Certainly not, not your co-workers. <laughs> <That's> nope. <absolutely laughs> nope. Da -da. Yes. Da -da. That's going to be our theme song. There's a reason. There's a reason Japan almost voted that their national anthem. Oh, oh my god, no! Don't oh tell Lord. me that! Years ago. Uh, and then Frank Sinatra's Fly Me to the Moon is uh, the end credits, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yes. Sung by a different assortment of uh, singers on yeah. different episodes, too. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com. Yeah. Yep. First impact Which is, is interesting. Sorry, I'm just gonna. I was just gonna say a stupid joke. First impact is my fist hitting you, and then <laughs> second impact is your uh, face hitting. You. I don't even know why. 